0: Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. You ain't getting no money if you constantly worried about what everybody else got to say. If you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing, you ain't getting no money. When it comes down to closing the deal, I get you done. Every single one. Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. Hey guys, welcome, welcome back for a new episode of Coinology. We're in season tray, my favorite season of them all. And I'm so excited to be standing or sitting next to Miss Audrey Ori. Very honored to have her in. I know most of you guys probably are very familiar with her, but those who are not, Audrey is a powerhouse, a powerhouse in the literary space, a powerhouse in women empowerment space, and just a powerhouse of a woman. And the fact that you're here today, you took some time out to come talk to me a little bit about yourself and your businesses in which you own. One which is most uh, known is
1: 13th and Joan. Um, How long have you owned 13th and Joan? Uh, 13th and Joan has been in existence for seven years. Mm -hmm. October will be eight. Seems like you guys have been around for so much longer than that. I
0: because I know for myself here at my agency, whenever I have any clients that need a publishing house. Oh, by the way, I just had a call with another client. Lisa will talk to you guys. before We need to schedule a meeting. But every time I have a client that is in need of publishing publishing services, I immediately think of you guys.
1: And yes. we appreciate you because, you know, people always talk about black women and mm-hmm. working together. Mm-hmm. But you have always always been so supportive and we appreciate you well, so much
0: and you guys do great work so it's one thing about us supporting black women mm-hmm. it's one thing about us supporting black businesses mm-hmm. but i'm also about supporting black businesses that exhibit excellence and everything that you've done and everything that you stand for is all about excellence but Audrey, i know that you didn't just start off sitting
1: where you are right now because how large is 13th and joan so we have published to date. Um, I stopped counting after our 200th book, mm-hmm. but we have published over 200 books. Wow! Um, we opened two additional arms of the agency um, or the, the the publishing house. One is an agency which works primarily on branding mm-hmm. because a lot of times you know authors do not have their brands intact. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have another arm that is focused on international distribution. So. We are having a great time and creating a new space, you know, Busy. that doesn't exist. Busy
0: And most uh, people who own publishing houses such as yours don't look like us. Correct. Do Correct. not look like us. But you're not only just the owner of 13th and Joan. You are probably one of the most, most sought-after ghostwriters in the game, right? I've been doing that. it for Very humble, <laughs> but most... Uh, Celebrities, influencers, people of power tend to look for you to help tell their story, to curate their story. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't just happen overnight, right? right? So that comes with a lot of trials, tribulations, yes. and being able to tell a story doesn't just pop in your head. Mm-hmm. It's from experience. So let's talk a little bit, Audrey, about who you are. Mm-hmm. Let's go all the way back. Where are you from?
1: So I'm from Gainesville, Florida. I was born in Fort Lauderdale. And, um, you know, my life is, is something that I was just speaking to my husband last night and he was asking me, you know, about an interview that I had done recently. And I was sharing with him that in the interview, I was asked what did I anticipate becoming? You know, how? What, what do you want to be when you grow up? And there was a time where I couldn't really see anything because my life was inundated with domestic violence in my home um, and I was, you know, the product of a single-parent home. Mm-hmm. And so I really thought, based on the violence that was happening, that there would not be a future for me. My future would, would kind of be cut short because I would need to protect my mother. Mm. And um, there were times where the 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 man that my mother married um would take our car our transportation we would have to walk to the corner store to get canned foods um It was a really tumultuous time. So my my young years were filled with love, you know, Mm -hmm. and with a mother who did everything in her power to make sure that she provided for us. Mm -hmm. But I knew that she had sacrificed, you know, she sacrificed love. She sacrificed happiness, I believe, to raise me. So when she found someone, I didn't want to stand in the way of that. Even though I knew that that was not a good person for her, I didn't want to stand in the way of that. And that me not saying anything, though, did result in... Um, all of the things that I shared with you. So there are a lot of childhood memories that are filled with happiness and love because my mother always loved me. Um, But there's a lot of pain as well. And that pain is something that I have, have used to fuel what I do today. Mm-hmm. Were you the only child? So I had a brother, uh, my mother. I have a brother, and he is 17 years older. Okay. So he was already transitioned out of the home, and it was just the two of us. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, what something you and I have in common is that when I was growing up, I did not foresee this career for myself. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see anybody else doing publicity or producing or writing mm-hmm. or anything of that magnitude. So I just knew in my heart that I wanted to do something big. Mm-hmm. I wanted to mm-hmm. do something bold. Yeah. I wanted to be different. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't know what that was going to be. I didn't have a name or a title. Mm-hmm. to I just remember growing up saying I wanted to walk around with a big briefcase into <laughs> a tall building. Right. But what I would do in that building, I had no idea. So publisher Mm -hmm. right isn't something that most young black girls aspire Mm -hmm. to be right right so when you were younger what
1: was it that you wanted to do so, you know, it's funny. I had a, I had a moment. Um, I was in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I was 10 years old. And I remember a teacher knocking on the door, not the teacher who was in the classroom, but another teacher. Mm-hmm. So she knocked on the door and she came in and she said, um, I'm here for Miss Adams. That's my maiden name. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm in trouble again because I always got in trouble for talking too much. Right. <laughs> me too. right? Of course. <laughs> right? And so um, I, I walked out the, the corridor with this teacher. Mm-hmm. She took me to this classroom. It was filled with color. And she said, you know, I know that in class you are a little bored because you're finishing your work earlier. Mm-hmm. So I want to work with you for a couple of weeks to create something. Mm-hmm. And I said, OK, great. Well, if I'm not in trouble, mm-hmm. fine. So I said, what do I have to create? And she said, well, you could create anything you want to create. It can You can draw. You can sing. You can paint. You can write. You can dance. You can do whatever. And I'm like, OK, writing. That's easy. That's a, the next best thing to talking. So let me write. Mm-hmm. So um, that project that was led by open-ended questions, turned into a book. I decided to write a book about black women in my community that we did not see, that I knew were successful, to highlight them. So um, at that time, showing my age, we had to, I had to use the phone book because there was no Google, <laughs> there was no internet and all those things. Mm-hmm. I had to track these women down. I had to ask them if I could interview them. I had to come up with the questions, all those things. So once I did that, she asked me what I wanted to do with those interviews. And I said, well, I want to write a book. Didn't know what that really entailed, but I did. I wrote the book, I published the book. I interviewed, uh, invited the ladies for um, a book signing. I contacted the Wait press man, and media. You did all this at 10 years 10 old? 10 years old. I, I st- it still baffles me. And I contacted wow. the press and media. I told them, hey, I'm 10 years old and I'm in fifth grade and this is my school and I want you to come out. They came out. They did an interview and it was on the front page. And after that day, my mom came to my room and she had her, ha- her hands were filled with money. And she said, here you go. And I said, well, what is this? And she said, this is yours. And I said, well, where did it come from? She said, it came from the books you sold. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do with it? And she said, anything you want to. And from that day, I learned a very valuable lesson about the power of storytelling. Mm -hmm. I learned that stories could be monetized. Mm -hmm. And I learned that stories were important. It was important that we reproduce those That year forward, we continued, we would sell books out of the car, out of the trunk, because people would always say, are you the girl that wrote the book? Are Mm -hmm. you the little girl that wrote Mm -hmm. the book? So it was a good thing in our city, in our community, and I learned a lot. So So you were like a local celebrity at 10 years old. I don't know if you would call it that, but I know that people thought, they recognized me mm-hmm. as the little girl on the front page who wrote the book. Wow, wow. And so, your mom, it, in the midst of this, your mom was actually going through domestic abuse, so had that already passed at that point? It hadn't happened yet. Okay. So, I had this epiphany that I love words, I love stories, this is amazing. And then we transition into that next season, which made me put the pen down. So, that's what, but to actually show you
0: put the pen down versus writing, because some people will write Mm -hmm. to cover
1: the pain. Mm -hmm. In your place, you actually went silent. I went silent, and I started to act out. I became a student who um, I I was failing in school. I was on the borderline of um, expulsion. Um, I misbehaved. I was just in a very bad place. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, you know, home was a personal hell. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I got out, it was literally about, you know, letting that energy go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so acting out in school was kind of my only outlet. Mm -hmm. And so was college ever a thought for you? Um, You know, education has always been important. But at the time when the domestic violence was happening, I didn't see anything past when will we be able to exit this situation, mm-hmm. and that I would likely be the person who would have to bring an end to it. Mm. So I can't say that I saw. Cops so at you all.
0: actually were planning to do whatever it took mm-hmm. to
1: save your mother. Absolutely. And I knew that my future would probably be embedded in, like, you know, juvenile detention or something mm-hmm. because the domestic violence laws were very stringent. We couldn't get any help. No mm-hmm. one would help us. We didn't have a lot of family in the city. No one would help us, even when we called the police. Mm-hmm. If she wasn't dead, there was no help. So did you ever have an interaction with him? As far as violence, no, because I think that he knew what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. So he did not physically harm me. It was always my mother. But that meant, you know, I didn't sleep at night because I was always listening. Is she awake? You know, there was a time, again, showing my age, where you could get another number assigned to your home line, mm-hmm. right? And so kids at school were like, "Oh, she has a second line." Like it mm-hmm. seemed like it was lit. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't. I had that line so that I could call 911 on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was it was a it was a difficult time, but he did not physically harm me because I think he was well aware that I was prepared to do whatever to save my mom. So, is he still here alive? Yeah. You know, I don't know. From the time that we were able, he he there was a time I, I was assigned detention mm-hmm. um, and my mother was supposed to pick me up. She did not pick me up. Um, and I knew I was, you know, I'm like, okay, this is, this is it. Mm-hmm. So my teacher had to drop me off and she dropped me off. I went home, walked down the hallway of the house and I'm calling for my mother. She did not answer. Um, and I found her in a fetal position. She was unrecognizable. And it was that day that I, I held her and I prayed and I said, okay, God, if you save her, If you allow me to be present for her, I promise that I will not act up. I won't act out. I won't be a part of the disappointment and the hurt for her. Mm -hmm. Instead, I will turn this energy into something positive if you give me another chance Mm -hmm. with her. And so he did. And so we got him out because the the beating was that bad. Mm -hmm. And when he went out, there was a warrant for his arrest. And so we worked, I worked you know side by side with my mom, We worked on trying to get divorce papers served in the time that he was in jail. So we did that. We managed to get that done. When he um, got out, he would terrorize us. He would throw bricks through the house. he would you know throw things at our car. And so we, I was always looking over my shoulder. you know when I was out, I was always looking mm-hmm. over my shoulder, I was always checking in with my mom, "Are you okay? If I went to a, a football game, are you okay, you good? you know those things. but we didn't see him anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for that. So I've never seen him again. Okay, amazing, Mm -hmm. amazing. But fast forward now, you've been
0: married for how long? Um, September will be 21 years. 21 years. And and is this your only marriage? Have you been married before? So was it difficult? I mean, seeing what your mom had to endure, Mm -hmm. was it difficult to immediately trust? your soon-to-be husband at that mm-hmm. time.
1: Yes, it was. It would have been difficult for me to trust anyone. And, and recently, I was just speaking to my husband about the high levels of masculinity that we continue to circulate in my home, mm-hmm. my mother and I, mm-hmm. because we were the men of the house, mm-hmm. right? So even in marriage, I have continuously been working on channeling feminine energy. Mm -hmm. I am not thrilled to jump out and say, I'm an alpha female. Mm -hmm. No, Mm because I want to live a soft life. Mm -hmm. I just didn't realize that it was something that was available to me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm learning that in this stage. But Lucky for me, my husband was someone I met at age 14. Mm-hmm. So I met him while these things were happening, and I knew him to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, so his trust, you know, trusting him was different than trusting someone I would have met much later in life. Mm-hmm. And if since you met him when you were 14, mm-hmm. it's sort of like family outside of just
0: being husband and wife. Yes. I mean, you guys have known each other your entire lives. Yes. But, you know, that's some of the things that we talk a lot about. Some of my girlfriends, mm-hmm. some of them desire to solely be a soft girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The whole soft girl era, soft girl. And, and, and I, too, like you, have mm-hmm. to really work hard at the <laughs> soft girl side, yes. right? Um I have always, and you know, my situation was not from domestic violence, but mine was more so my father raised me with the anticipation that, you know, my mother and father both raised mm-hmm. me, but my father was the one who told me, there's no guarantee that you're going to get married. There's mm-hmm. no guarantee that there's going to be this knight in shining armor that's sure. going to come and, and and protect you and provide you all these things. So I'm going to show you how to obtain these things. Right. Even if this person uh-huh. does not appear. yes, And so I became very strong at a very early age. And I, you know, learning how to turn it off has been a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I know for most alpha women, they either end up lonely. Yes. Never, ever getting sure. married or having a hard time holding relationships. Right. Or struggling in their relationships. Mm-hmm. And so... I made it a conscious effort in my life to say, I don't want to be a struggle relationship or in a struggle relationship. Yes. So I try extremely hard Mm -hmm. to turn Mm -hmm. the soft girl on, right? Yes. But I can never turn the alpha completely off. It's just, I can't. No. I can't. It's it's a protection mechanism that, you know, I've seen, I've grown up and seen aunts who completely depended on on a husband uh-huh. or a man uh-huh. to be destitute later sure i did not want that to be my story absolutely right right absolutely. so
1: do you think do you have any sons So I have a son. my son, um, so my husband and I, we met at 14. We Mm -hmm. dated. We dated all the way through college or all the way through high school. And then at college, we had a break. Mm -hmm. And during that break, he had our son. And so I always say that my son is my wedding present. Um, He was two years old when my husband and I got back together. So he's my baby. Um, There is no, you know, step or any of that. But that is my son, yes. Okay, so Mm -hmm. you and the mom... Great relationship. So we have... It is a cordial relationship. It Mm -hmm. is a family that has blended, I will say that. It is definitely um, difficult. that, That was one of the most difficult things because I was not raised to understand how to blend I didn't blend anything because it was just my mother and I Mm -hmm. so that was something we had to really work at you know understanding how to blend what are the needs I think one of the primary things that I did was I told my husband that I would be responsible for communicating with my son's mother for all of the arrangements for pickups drop-offs activities all of those things Mm -hmm. and I think that as women Coming together to try to make a concerted effort to raise our son made the situation better for all of us. Mm
0: -hmm. I think that was a smart move, too. I talked to some of my girlfriends, and the biggest challenges they have as far as the blended part of the relationship is knowing whether or not their partner is really if they really cut off sure. that side, that's always going to be. So right. I think if you remove now, some people will say <laughs> um, that may be going too far, mm-hmm. but I think that allow you guys to be able to have peace in your relationship yep. to do that. Right. Right, absolutely. right. Would you recommend
1: that most women do that? I would recommend, you know what? I really feel like there are some people, it is an individual situation. What I think that people don't do is talk about what makes them insecure and what makes them comfortable before. Mm-hmm. I think people get into it because, you you know, you're married for love or you, mm-hmm. or you think you found happiness, but it is literally something that you need a plan to navigate before you get in it. Mm-hmm. And then you also need to have a safe space for conversation about the things that come up that you didn't know to even talk about. Mm-hmm. So I do think when women come together, It creates a certain level of power for the whole family dynamic. And it really was beneficial to us. I also think that when children see their mothers communicating, it creates a safe space. Mm -hmm. And that's very necessary. But it worked for us. I don't say, you know, I can't say it worked for everyone. There are people who have insecurities about different things. I have a girlfriend. She could date a man that has five children and five different babies mothers and be just fine that's how she is see i
0: i apply you because i remember the love of my life when i was in college uh we broke up mm-hmm. and during that breakup uh he ended up um having another woman became pregnant and for me that solidified that the, end, the end, end of the relationship mm-hmm. and i i couldn't process mm-hmm beyond that that right. was just that for me right. i just could not really process it, it. Mm-hmm. but you were able to do it right yeah, absolutely and but the, how, when you found out even though y'all weren't together the yeah. fact that y'all were together from 14 to that point yeah. how, for young girls because you think mm-hmm. about it girls in college they mm-hmm. either going to make the decision that you made right or they're gonna make a decision that i made right which was i just said i can't and it was a love when i say the love of my life I walked away. You walked away. I her. walked away.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, how how did you feel? You know, I was. I think that that's one of those things where you're like, "Gosh, that that should have been me." You remember? Was it mm-hmm. Vesta? She made that song. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. like, that's supposed to be me. But what I came to realize is that. When my husband and I broke up, Mm -hmm. it was when I arrived at college, right? Mm -hmm. So a couple of things. One is that not having the father in my life also meant that was what I demanded of him, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I was expecting my husband to be my father. And I think that's something that a lot of women do not even talk about or address. Mm -hmm. I was expecting my husband to be my father. He rose to the occasion and operated in that position. But when I got to college, I didn't want a father anymore. Because this is my first time out of the house. Mm-hmm. I don't want somebody to to tell me what's best for me, mm-hmm. even though he had been in college a year before. So he knew things that I did not. But that's not what I wanted. So us breaking up allowed me to have an opportunity to spend time with myself. Mm-hmm. I had never been on my own, really, you know, had been with him. So it was a good thing. And I came to realize that I needed that to find me. Mm-hmm. If we had gotten married prior to that, I would have never known who I was. Mm -hmm. But by the time we did get back together, even though we had our son, I was content with who I was. Mm -hmm. I was ready to settle down. I had Mm -hmm. lived an amazing life in college. I got to experience the best of college. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have any regrets. So when you got the call that he had another woman pregnant, Mm -hmm. how did you feel? Well, I actually was in a relationship. Okay. And I was like... That doesn't have anything to do with me. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought at that time. Mm -hmm. Because I was of the mindset that I don't date backwards. Mm -hmm. I don't, there's no reason. Mm -hmm. It didn't work. So why would I do that? Mm -hmm. But things happen, you know, they align. And I'll tell you what, when I knew that my husband was my husband. Mm -hmm. um, So I was off, you know, you're on again, off again. I was off of the relationship that I had been in. And, um, I happened to see my husband, he had come back to the college town where I was still there. Mm -hmm. And I saw him out one night and we said, Hey, you know, how you doing? We just exchanged numbers and we just checked in, you know, as Mm -hmm. friends. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to him. This is probably like months later. And I was just, Hey, how you doing? And I'm on the phone talking to him and a lot of my friends are at my house. And I said, um, are you guys hungry? I'm so hungry. I'm hungry," and probably 30 minutes later, there was a pizza at my apartment delivered. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't think I've ever been heard in the relationship that I was in. I don't Mm -hmm. think I've ever been heard. This man has always heard me. Mm -hmm. He's heard my heart. He's listened to me. And he has always wanted to be a protector of my soul. Mm -hmm. What that says to me is that If anything stands in the way of me being with him, it would be me, Mm -hmm. and that would be my fault, and I would lose out on my soulmate. So the other blessing that has evolved in having a son is that my husband and I had two daughters. Mm -hmm. I never felt pressure to have a son. It was best that we didn't. There were no comparisons. Mm -hmm. So we had our son, and then we had our daughters, and it made our family complete. Mm -hmm. So I always think you know, things happen the way they should, but... You know, it was not comfortable. I'm not sitting yeah. here saying, "Oh, this was so easy." It mm-hmm. was not. It was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we made it, and we are where we are supposed to be. That's
0: right. Yeah. That's right. Everybody's journey is different. Mm-hmm. Now, with having two daughters, mm-hmm. and your daughters not having to go through the struggles that they saw, you saw your mom go through. Right. How do? You, what are you telling them about being this strong, independent woman? Are you telling? Are you? You know. Pushing that on them? Are you trying to
1: push them to be a little bit more softer? Mm -hmm. What type of advice are you giving your daughters? You know, it's a mixed bag. And um, I'm glad you're asking me this because these are a lot of the same discussions that I have with them. For one, I advise them to look at me and how I honor their father. Mm -hmm. Because it's important for a woman to know how to honor a man who is worthy of being honored. Worthy. Worthy. was worthy of uh-huh. being honored right mm-hmm. the other thing that i tell them to do is to watch how their father treats me whether we are happy whether we are not in agreement look at how we apologize look at how we take Going to church on Sunday, seriously, look at everything Mm -hmm. and take from it what you believe you want for your life Mm -hmm. and leave what you don't. Mm -hmm. Right. That's my first set of advice for my oldest daughter. She and I just had a conversation. She's in college. And I explained to her, I feel like she has been placed in a difficult situation because when I when she was born, I was At the cusp of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Now you and I both know what it looks like when you are trying to build a business at the beginning. It's not 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 beautiful. Mm -hmm. You're not beautiful. You're probably not your best self. Your attention is diverted. Uh, You're working. You have nothing left to give because you're pouring, you know, attempting to pour Mm -hmm. from an empty pitcher. So she saw me be very alpha. She saw me being driven. I would literally cook Um, enough meals breakfast lunch and dinner on a Thursday to last them for a weekend so that I could travel somewhere to go do whatever I felt I needed to be doing for business whether that was meeting with clients trying to bring in new business whatever Mm -hmm. right and then I would come back and be tired and get back up you know get them prepared for school do all those things Mm -hmm. On the other side of that, I know she saw her father thinking, like, "Why is this lady doing it. doing this?" Mm-hmm. Because I was chasing a dream that was assigned to me. Mm-hmm. It was not their dream mm-hmm. or anything. So a lot of times, I think she has seen the go chase it, go get it, like go, you know, mm-hmm. the grind. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of that, now I'm extremely or much. Softer, mm-hmm. much softer, because I feel like some of the things I was chasing have manifested. It's not that I'm mm-hmm. not still in pursuit, but some of it, much of it has manifested. And, and this is the part about that,
0: because mm-hmm. I, too, relate, mm-hmm. the chase. Mm-hmm. But then you question yourself sometimes as to whether or not the chase was worth it. Absolutely. Because there's a, with people, I always tell people you want the shiny object, but are you ready for the sacrifice that comes mm-hmm. along with it? Mm-hmm. And there was a period during the chase that I had to stop and say, wait a minute, Ebony, you're yeah. risking your family. Sure. I don't want to lose my husband and my children because I'm not present. Right. And it's very easy for that to happen. So okay. that's why we see so many um of our counterparts out there struggling, trying to get this thing right. And no one really knows the proper answer to this, right? That's why I love sitting down and talking with other strong alpha black women because Mm -hmm. our struggle as black alpha women are different than other nationalities. But I will tell you, there is a consequence to every action. And most people don't want to hear that. They That's think you fact. can. And I, when I hear people say, you can have it all. There's no yes. such thing as it all. At a cost. It's a cost. Yeah, you're gonna It's pay a for cost. It. It's a cost to it, right? Yep. And so when did you say, wait a minute, mm-hmm. let me slow down this grind. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I'm, I'm sure there's something that said I need to slow it down because mm-hmm. I have beautiful children. I have a husband. I have a home. Yes, I want to obtain, mm-hmm. but I don't want to lose. Mm-hmm. Because yes, your husband knew you since you were 14, mm-hmm. but there's he has needs and desires as well mm-hmm. that
1: we have to make sure we don't ignore. Right. You know, the time for me, it wasn't like an, an aha moment. It was kind of like a, a slow burn. Mm-hmm. I started to realize that I was achieving things that didn't fulfill me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So it's like if you set a goal and you achieve that goal, you would assume you're going to be happy about mm-hmm. it, whether that's a dollar amount, whether that is a, a certain, you know, access or resource, whatever it is. But when you achieve things that you set out to do and you completely miss the moment because you're not even stable enough to be present and when i say stable it's because i'm on to the next thing Like oh, you, you said something missed the moment missed it girl i missed so many moments a, a ton things that people
0: are like you didn't celebrate i wasn't present to celebrate because again right. like you said i was looking for the next shiny object mm-hmm. my father told me when i was younger um you're never satisfied. Yeah. And I took it at that time as, oh, okay, yeah, you're right, I'm not. I'm driven, I'm this and that. Da, 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 mm-hmm. da, da. Now, mm-hmm. older, I look back on that and you, you miss a lot in life not being satisfied.
1: Yeah. Right? A lot, a lot. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. And I don't know that that is something I would change completely mm-hmm. um, when it comes to professionalism. Personally, My satisfaction is in discovering deep joy, the Mm -hmm. kind that cannot be disturbed, Mm -hmm. the kind that no matter what someone says or does, it is untapped. That's right. right. That type of joy. Um, It is in being present in moments, Mm -hmm. being able to put my phone down and not worry about who is sending a message or an email or any of that. Um, Living, truly living best moments of life Mm -hmm. off of social media. That's right. All of that stuff really matters to me. And that those are the things that have become most valuable, you know, in my personal life. Mm -hmm. And I am so happy about it. Um, And I think that COVID allowed us to turn off in a way that we had not Mm -hmm. because of the big pause. Mm -hmm. And so I think after that, I was like this really doesn't matter. I mean, it does, but it really doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so what is most important to me is that I don't miss. And even now, you know, my prayers, I'm always asking God, let me see my children grow up. Let me see the fruits of my labor. Mm -hmm. Let me see the things that I've done manifest. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to be able to see it and I don't want to miss the moment. That's right. So now I have a I wouldn't call it balance because I think I'm still absolutely crazy. Right. (laughs) But I I think you have to be crazy to tap into Mm -hmm. your genius. Mm -hmm. And we all have it. Nobody, nobody has any less or any more. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of if we tap into it, but I do value my family. And the other thing that I'll say is that when we are running a business, sometimes we get so engulfed in it that we mistake business for family mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. but when you learn that people doing business with you don't really care that's right they are not going to be there mm-hmm. if you get sick they are not going to be there you know when you need people mm-hmm then you have to come back and recognize that you've built something that is far greater. That's right. And that's in family.
0: So. Family, you can't replace family. I know. And so it takes a very strong person to recognize that I don't want to lose my family mm-hmm, mm-hmm. chasing a shiny object. Right. That's important. And yeah. I think, um, and that's one of the gems that I would share with young women coming along. Mm-hmm. Be driven, but also be aware
1: yeah.
0: and be Self-aware, because most times people never see their fault and what they should do differently. They're always externally looking. Right. And I think that's so important, especially for driven women. That is why most women... That are driven end up alone because they're not self aware. You must. They're not self aware. And so let's talk about finding that perfect mate. Mm-hmm. What do you, and see, you met your guy when you were 14. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to say that. But you know, it's some women, they're, they're alpha women, um, and they struggle because they're looking for their perfect mate to be just like them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a mistake. Absolutely. Right. You have to have a balance in the household.
1: You have to have a balance in the household and you have to understand that your way is not the only way. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we get caught up, you know, is expecting people to do things the way that we would do it. Mm-hmm. Um and even so, you know, even in, in meeting my husband at 14, when we got married, we were completely different people. Mm-hmm. We weren't the same people. Mm-hmm. We had to learn each other. We're not the same today as we were, you know, back then. Things have changed and, and we've both evolved. But when it comes to finding your person, I think the first thing we have to do is silence the outside noise. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we're looking for what we think someone else would co-sign on. I never run things about who I'm dating by my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Why? Because mm-hmm. it's not their relationship. It's not their thing. It's not their thing. And mm-hmm. what works for them might not work for me. But the difference, I think,
0: Audrey, that you, you it was easier for us to do that because we didn't have the stress of social media. Very true. So many of these gir- women today are so bought into mm-hmm. this facade of social media yeah. and having to live up to these goals and yes. you know, competing with the next influencer online uh-huh. that that puts unnecessary stress. I know for me, I'm very protective mm-hmm. of my family. I don't mm-hmm. put a lot of information mm-hmm. about my family online. Right. right. No, no, no. Right. But in today's time it's very, very, very different.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So but, but what else would you say you would advise? Um I would say You know, we have been given an internal moral and emotional compass for a reason. Mm -hmm. You always know when it's not right. Mm -hmm. Whether you continue to accept it, that's a choice. But you know when a guy is not right for you. Mm -hmm. You know when a guy is not treating you right. You know when someone has your best interests at heart and when they don't. Mm -hmm. And so I would say examine people at their worst How do they deal with loss? Mm -hmm. How do they deal with conflict? How do they deal with um, drugs, alcohol, sex, spirituality, education? Mm -hmm. Those are all core values. And I truly believe that if you align with someone on the core values the rest is communication. How can we get along? How do we settle the things that we don't agree upon? Cuz that's going to be. And I don't care what relationship there's never going to be a relationship that doesn't come with baggage. That's right. We all we all bring mm-hmm. baggage mm-hmm. to a relationship, mm-hmm. right? So, if you say, I can't date a man with children, well, maybe that's your non negotiable. But you might be okay with your husband going to the cigar bar every Friday with his mm-hmm, friends, mm-hmm. whereas someone else might not be okay with that. So, it's the core values that matter. Mm-hmm. If you and a person don't agree on spirituality, it's going to cause oh. some conflict. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you can't overcome it, but it's going to cause some conflict. Mm-hmm. If you believe that a certain level of education is necessary for advancement and that person does not, it's going to cause some conflict. Mm-hmm. If you and that person don't see eye to eye on budgetary goals, it's going to cause conflict, mm-hmm, right? Is. So they're just core things that I think we have to look at and examine, you know, before entangling with someone. <laughs> <laughs> so like before 13th and
0: Joan, mm-hmm. you said your daughter was a baby when you first started entrepreneurship and yeah. 13th and Joan is only seven years old. Yes. So what was your first endeavor? What did you, you know,
1: jump out and do first? So before 13th and Joan, I did nine different businesses and or brands trying to figure it out. Okay. Okay. It was not pretty. It was, um, the first thing I did was resign from my job. I went to school for education. So I was an assistant principal at an elementary school before resigning, okay. right? Resigned from that job. I then created a nonprofit organization. Now, that was 2019. In 2019, that is when the recession happened. And for whatever reason, in, in many areas, and nobody canceled me or hate me for this, but sometimes when we hear nonprofit, we think not for pay, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not what it was. So it was very hard to raise money during that time. So I did a nonprofit that was for women and teen girls. Teaching uh, leadership skills, etiquette, entrepreneurship, all those things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Started that. We were servicing 500 women and teen girls. I found myself taking money from the grocery budget to buy snacks for the young ladies that I was servicing. Mm -hmm. Right? So after doing that for five years, far too long, I realized... If I am still robbing Peter to pay Paul, this business is not on fertile ground. Okay, let's stop there because okay. I, a lot of people don't get that, okay? They keep on feeding
0: something that's dying mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because they feel like uh this is my dream, this yes. is my you knew then even with the passion. Mm-hmm. It's 5 years in. Mm-hmm. I probably need to pivot. Need to pivot, right? Okay, Something's gotta happen. Right? So you you
1: then left okay. after that. So we dissolved the nonprofit company. But what I had done um, while the nonprofit was happening, we moved from Florida to here to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, I was figuring out that. No matter what, in order to make money, you have to sell something, Mm -hmm. right? You can't just be going around doing empowerment speeches. That's not going to bring in an income. right. Okay, so we have to sell something. So I looked at my target audience. We have 500 women and teen girls. What is something that women and teen girls like? Mm, Lipstick, lip gloss. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I started this cosmetics company with lipstick and lip gloss, and it was called I Love Me, and the message of it was to love yourself Mm because that was a deficit that I noticed. When that happened, Atlanta was just on the cusp of becoming the the little Hollywood or whatever you want to call it. So I would go around to um, photo shoots Mm -hmm. and I would offer to be the makeup artist and allow my products to be placed and used. Right. Product Mm -hmm. placement. So I was the makeup artist and I would do that. And then I was realizing, okay, well, I'm still not on fertile ground. Right. But this is a better way for me to market. So um, in selling that product, I remember being at a shoot and there were a bunch of women they looked amazing they were Mm -hmm. stunning they had their makeup done and i heard them say you know oh don't photograph me like that like that's not my good and i was like wait a minute are these people struggling with self-esteem like how how is that happening and it started and for me having walked away from a job and being someone who associated my worth with my ability to generate an income i was feeling very low because i was not generating an income Mm -hmm. So um, I decided I'm going to make a compilation of stories about women who are non-traditional beauties. I'm going to host a retreat. I am going to use my products on them and I'm going to publish this as a book. So I did that. Non-traditional beauties. What does that look like? So it looks like at that time, nobody was talking about alopecia. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nobody was talking about, um, there was someone who was very fair. Someone who was very dark. There was someone who was overweight, considered by societal standards. Mm -hmm. Um, There was an albino. There was someone who had been a a victim of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. There was someone who had extreme freckles. Beautiful. So just not societal imposed standards of okay. people, right right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I brought these ladies together. I let them tell me their story. We sat around in a circle. Everybody tell me your story. You speak. There was not a dry eye in the room because every woman had an instance of not feeling her best self. Mm-hmm. Okay. I listened to their stories. Then I went home and I wrote. Didn't, re- didn't record anything, nothing. Um, we did a beautiful photo shoot with them. And so when I wrote their stories, I called each one of them to read the story back to them. This is what I got from what you said. Here it is. Okay, so people were crying and I was like scared. I'm like, I don't know if they're going to like it or not. Everybody was crying like the same thing. And they said, you know, I couldn't have said it better myself. So we published this book. And because of the fact that there were 21 people and they were featured in the book, they felt like the book was really their book. Everybody took ownership of Mm -hmm. it. So the day that we had the signing, I did the same thing that I did at 10 years old. I contacted Barnes and Noble. Hey, we want to do a book signing. Um, We invited these women in, but they invited their community. So by the time this book signing happened, it was a massive event Mm. because of the fact that all these women believed it to be their project, which is why I always tell people when you write a book, you should also create community with the book so that you have a built-in audience Mm -hmm. and a built-in mouthpiece for the marketing of that book but anyways after doing that then someone saw what happened and i got a call from a a friend who had a client at vh1 the show love and hip-hop atlanta was just starting Mm -hmm. and they said hey we have a client she is getting ready to be on this show but she needs a book for her storyline do you think you can write a book in 30 days and i was like well I resigned from my job. Mm-hmm. I have this baby in my in one hand, but I can write with the other one. So I wrote that book. Mm-hmm. And that evolved into being the ghostwriter.
0: Yeah, was, because now you are the
1: ghostwriter, right? I, I like to think that people would like to select me to mm-hmm. write their books, mm-hmm. yes.
0: Yeah, I know. It's, it's amazing when you think about it, right? It's, it's, it's amazing. It's full circle. Yeah, because even now when we book 13th and Joan... It's a special thing if you can get Audrey to personally work on your project, right, right. Because, I mean, to have your stamp on the work is a big deal. So it shows just being honest and authentic to who you were. You went back to the 10-year-old Audrey, Mm -hmm. and now that 10-year-old... You know, one of the things I talk about in my book, Chronology, Authentically You, I usually challenge people to go back to the days mm-hmm. before someone told you you weren't good enough, mm-hmm. you couldn't, this, that's not smart, right. you need to be afraid. Go back to what is it that you really mm-hmm. wanted to do mm-hmm. before society put parameters yes. around you. And that's exactly what you did. You went back to the honest and true Audrey. I did. Before the trauma. Before the trauma. Before the trauma. Mm-hmm. Wow! Right. Wow! And now today, your your enterprise. So we have Thirteenth and Joan. Mm-hmm. What other businesses do you have?
1: So we have Thirteenth and Joan Publishing House. Um, as a result of that, one of the things I realized is that you know the conversation around um, luxury for mm-hmm. Black women needed to be expanded. The conversation around travel, and I realized that getting away sometimes from the day to day allows the creative to breathe. Mm-hmm. So I started Ardrey Ori Retreats, which is a luxury writing retreats, destination vacations, and we just literally get away and go write. So we've been to Paris, we've been to Belize, we've been to Cabo, and we're continuing to plan trips, you know, for women to just get away and write. And that's whether you're a screenwriter whether you're, you know, a playwright or you're an author, no matter what the format is, we, you know, offer that opportunity. So there's Archery Ori Retreats. Um, I also started um, Crown Avenue. So this is a company that is luxury essentials vegan leather essentials, travel essentials. When I was traveling back and forth to meet clients, Mm -hmm. I wanted a cute, chic way to store my laptop. My laptop is always with now me. we have one with us, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's yes.
0: take a look at this. I, I okay. was lucky to have one yes. today. We have one here.
1: Yes, and I love it. And I, so I started this because, first of all, it was kind of a an ode to my mom and my grandma. You remember moms and grandmas always had this envelope-looking mm-hmm. clutch for yes, church. Yes, yes. But I thought, this is really cute. I can take this, put my laptop in it, and I can go to a, a meeting in the boardroom, or I can go out. At night. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so I started that and then it turned into weekenders and it started in, in turn to um, designing handbags, but it was a way for me to continue to tell stories. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you need another way to channel your inspiration. So started that company. Um, and the other thing that I launched is the Ori Agency. And we are finding that more and more people want to adapt their books into other formats. Mm -hmm. And so we do adaptations of books into screenplays, screenplays into books, plays into screenplays, plays into, I mean, plays into books, vice versa. So any of those taking what you have, that content, and creating it in another format is another way to attain or monetize your story. And I don't think people, Realize that one story can be divided into so many multiple ways. Yes, exactly. You know, I think another thing that I want to make sure people
0: take away from this is how you diversify your portfolio. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I advise many people to do is to find products and services in your diversification Mm -hmm. that are linked but not dependent, so that if one industry tanks, Mm -hmm. all of your money doesn't tank. Yes. Some people, what they think when they say diversification of portfolio, they still put everything in the same industry. Right. Which is a mistake. Right. You always want to make sure that there's a link, mm-hmm. which makes sense. So in your case, mm-hmm. your your luxury items mm-hmm. link back to so you still being a writer because you can put your laptop and your, your writing essentials in there, but they're not necessarily depended on, on the writing industry. Mm-hmm. The same thing for your travel. and you, you, right. you tie it back to those who travel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But at the same token, it is a completely different industry. So I think it's important that as we build, we build portfolios that diversify, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So in closing, because mm-hmm. I know you have so many, I know you're probably about to go and write 20 more <laughs> million amazing <laughs> stories. Oh. What do you want to leave your, 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 your fan base with, your followers with? What is it that you want to leave them knowing about you that they don't currently know?
1: You know, at the end of the day, I always say that, you know, people say, I want to be a voice for those that don't have a voice. But I don't. I want to pass the mic. You know, I want to make sure that the little girl, the little Audrey, who felt like she wasn't seen, is You know, I want to make sure that the woman who has to transition into multiple locations and speak to multiple people and become multiple versions of herself. You are not the same Ebony here in this space as you might be in a boardroom. Mm -hmm. To the core, you are the same person, Mm -hmm. but you have to be a different person. I want women to feel seen. I want black men to feel loved and honored and respected. Um, And I want for young people to recognize that there are no parameters on what is possible. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very important that we understand education is not always committed to four walls. I am not a formally trained writer. Mm -hmm. I am not a formally trained screenwriter. But these are spaces that I am thriving in. You've excelled. Because I love it. Mm -hmm. And so I want people to just remember to always find what you love because it is very true that your gifts will make room for you.
0: Let me say this. I think the reason why you've excelled so much in the space of writing even though you're not formally trained is because you found your way and you're doing it your way when everybody's doing something the same way Mm -hmm. it's very difficult for you to stand out and Mm -hmm. build your space so I will tell people I don't want you to think that I'm I'm promoting haphazardly going out here I think you should become an expert at whatever it is that you're doing Mm -hmm. but know that you have to find your way at doing it and that is how you end up you know going to the front of the classroom very fast it's being unique and being different Mm -hmm. i want to thank you today for coming out and taking the time and and visiting us in season trey it is an honor to sit next to you um to me you're a living legend And I want many other young black women to see you and say, she did it and so can I.
1: Absolutely. And thank you. The sentiment is mirrored. You know, we would not be able to see one another without seeing one Mm -hmm. another. Mm -hmm. So I thank you for your work. You are excellence. You represent excellence. And I love to see it. You know, it lights my soul when I see the work. You're not just talking about it. You're doing it. We're sitting here in a space, honey. We're not just, (laughs) you know, somewhere. Mm-hmm. and so i want you to continue i want you to be encouraged and i want you to make sure that you always find time to be proud of yourself as well thank you thank you so much and thank
0: you guys for joining us on another episode of Cornology. see you next time get no money if you constantly worried about what everybody else got to say if you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing you ain't getting no money get no money when it comes down to the deal, I get it every one. Welcome to Coinology, the podcast.